Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks. I'm your host, Mike Hensley, and as always, Cheryl and Melissa are with us today, and we are talking all about kids in nature. Whoop, whoop. Sounds like fun. Does it, though? Yeah. <laughs> but it's been so long since we've gotten to take kids out in nature other than I virtually. I think it's like a foreign concept for us now. It is. I, I mean, at it. least we have, like, our own kids. Yeah. That, too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit tougher on my kid when we're outdoors. I, like, expect a lot out of her. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I expect her to know more. <laughs> Remember, I told you this. That's what <laughs> Why that don't is. you know what this tree yeah. is? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. It, sometimes it's like that. Rachel has to remind me, like, Michael, she's four. Like, <laughs> yeah. be realistic. Realistic expectations. I know, but... She's like, what were you doing when you were four? I was like, not this. <laughs> so, But when they do remember the things, but, it's so, oh, yeah. it's awesome. To be fair, I have Willow so well trained in terms of birds. No surprise here. She's like, oh, dad, there's birds up there on that wire. Or there's a weird bird there. Or like if we're driving That's down the awesome. road, she can pick out the hawks and stuff on the road now. The big ones. Mm-hmm. She can't do the small ones unless they're in a big group. But Yeah. Carter spots eagles before me now. Because you have awesome. to drive. <laughs> well, we were down at the barn the other day, just walking down to the barn, and he's like, "Mom, there's an eagle," and he can like differentiate now between eagles and vultures flying, which is like, "That's so awesome! That's awesome! Good job, Good Melissa job. and Carter. Good job, honey. That's awesome." So for us, I think for us and our kids, I think this is a really normal easy concept to kind of grasp like your kid outside is normal or our kids outside is normal Uh um but all of the statistics and stuff that i have from this is all pre-pandemic so i imagine that these numbers are going to drastically change Mm -hmm. after yeah um you know they're able to do more research like this and you know get people to respond it's going to kind of be scary because the numbers are already i mean as we all know we're super low kids unstructured playtime outside was four to seven minutes unstructured that's crazy that's That's so crazy if if i i'm not even a kid if i only get four to seven unstructured minutes outside per day there's a there's i'm gonna have a problem yeah like to expect that of a child is is terrifying but it's really i think situations um based on people where you live what you do how you do it um it, it that that's restricting on people too um you know less daylight is also a restriction yeah um yeah. currently we're getting better we're getting better we're getting closer that's but sick. we did find out this morning that there's six more weeks of winner am i the only one that got excited <laughs> Uh, As we just got like six inches of snow. Yesterday. I know. <laughs> like I don't believe it. I can't believe that we this mythology of a groundhog predicting the weather has carried on for this long. Yeah, it's crazy. But especially because he's like sixty percent wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's only right thirty-seven percent of the time. So yeah, thirty-seven. Okay, I thought it was thirty. So okay, he's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's not. It's not that, I don't know. It's a fun little thing, and they named a whole town after it, and that's how they make their money. Yeah. So, yeah. But six more weeks of winter, I'm okay with it. You guys hate it. That's fine. I mean, you. by this point, I, ex- I accept it because I know February is our worst, like, winter month. Yeah. So it just is what it is. Yeah. Because it's already February 2nd, and we have all the snow already and the so. worst it's not going to go anywhere because we're supposed to get that cold stretch so yeah. it's just going to be snow for what yeah. two weeks now yeah so i'm and the days are getting longer which makes it yes more bearable friendly <laughs> yeah that's the good word <laughs> <laughs> all know. right so and and i mean these are also things that that make it hard to get your kids outside especially when it's it's going to be zero degrees like yeah. i'm going to be honest with you i don't even enjoy going out in you know sub-zero temperatures or even in the teens i don't get super excited i i could do it if it wasn't windy but that wind man when it hits my face i just want to like retreat back into a hole it's the only thing yeah and the thing about (laughs) getting your kids out in the winter time is you spend 20 minutes getting them ready 20 plus yeah and 
you go outside and they're ready to go back in. (laughs) (laughs) At least for my kids. Yeah. Well, Willow's Willow will stay out for a while. My older one, but the other one, she gets cold as soon as her hands get cold. History. She like flings off her gloves like thirty-seven times. Cannot blame her. So you spend (laughs) you spend most of your time outside fixing fixing gloves, gloves, fixing hats. Yep. Getting snow out of the back of a shirt. Yes. I like work really hard to find like hats that don't move, cover their ears, all of that. Yeah. Melissa, I feel like you like no winter apparel whatsoever. No. Maybe gloves. You might like gloves. I yeah. I have like midget hand <laughs> like she'll find a reason to hate <laughs> winter so apparel. Small. So I actually funny story. I got a pair of gloves for my sister for Christmas and they didn't fit her because they were too small. So I took them. They are like huge on me, <laughs> but they are super warm. So I wear them, but then I yell at them all the time because I can't get the latches off of the rabbit hutches to get into oh. them with the gloves on. Mm. So I just yell. <laughs> I've just been rocking the same pair of gloves for like 10 years and they're like, they got a hole in them now and they're not doing great. So I need to find a new pair. So, so you need a new oh, no. pair. Yeah. I'm kind of sad about it, but so with children being outside, as we said, four to seven minutes, that's, that's not long. That's like a brisk walk around the house. Yeah. For some people. Yeah. That's like walking to the car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which can be cold, but it's not great for kids. It's not, it's really not great for anyone. Realistically, it's not just kids. I mean, we need outside. So in the 1980s, Um, A Harvard doctor had done a study and said there's this thing called biophilia. It's where humans are naturally attracted to the outdoors. Like you're naturally attracted to nature. Like it's ingrained in your body. It's instinctive and you need it. Uh So, and for some people, that's not true. Um, And, and all of that is based on positive experiences in nature. So if, if your first three experiences in nature are negative, like terribly negative, you're going to hate nature. Mm-hmm. You're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to want to be in it and you're not going to want to spend time in it. So our job is to make sure people have positive experiences in nature. And we all know um, the Richard Louvre book. You guys know um, Last Child in the Woods. That's where they kind of came up with that nature deficit thing. Um, mm-hmm. And when that's like when people really started to realize, hey, this might be a problem. And he wrote another one called Vitamin N that kind of went further on it, like how to fix, get yourself back into that rhythm of being outside and going outside. But I kind of dug a little bit deeper to find out some of the benefits, not only physically, mentally, and emotionally, but, you know, it's not just the kids that are affected. It's it's the parents, too. So this is kind of like a double um, because time, obviously, is one thing. If If I had a Monday through Friday, nine to five, like exactly nine to five winter time. You can't, you can't get outside uh-uh. once you get home at five, especially if your kid's in daycare yeah. and you get home at five thirty, six o'clock and it's dark already. You that's, can't. Yeah. yeah. That's a big thing for us. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause you guys are, yeah. Yeah. With your kids in daycare and Melissa, you, your kids don't have a choice, but to go outside in the dark. So <laughs> They don't. (laughs) I mean, we do change up how we do like barn chores in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. Usually in the summer, we like eat dinner and then go outside and do all of the chores and all of that sort of stuff. It also gives us more time outside. But in the winter, we do it before dinner. So it's more just like try to get it done as fast as possible. Yeah. So the sun sets. I'm a 95 year old man. We eat dinner at like 3 34 (laughs) o'clock. You're so weird. So then we go out right after dinner. Yeah. And then um, sometimes I'll, like, if it's, well, if it's spring and summer and we get daylight early in the morning, Willow will go out. Rowan, now that she's older, can go out with me in the morning, Uh too. Um, Basically, when I'm doing gardening stuff in the morning and in the evening, I just let them pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah. So unstructured, just stay off the road is basically it. So. And I think that's one of the biggest things is unstructured. like Which is something that I learned from Melissa when I got here because I had came from somewhere where everything was like kind of like a school-based structure. Mm-hmm. And Melissa's like, what are you doing? They don't, they don't care. 
Not after you got you got ten to twenty minutes max. Twenty is your max, Mike. Like that's your max. Like don't push it. <laughs> right. She's like, it's just not. And because I used to teach programs that had to be like an hour long for kids, and I could never understand why after fifteen minutes, like they're like just looking at me like, yeah, just get away <laughs> from us. Let us go dig in the dirt. <laughs> so, but honestly, it's something I learned from Melissa. Even through all of my education, like they don't, you can't restrict them into a box for too long no. or they're going to become disengaged. Nope. Yeah. And that's because Melissa does Park Pals, which is preschoolers actively learning science. And she does a fantastic job at it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's true. Like for kids just getting out and like going for a walk and letting them touch plants, but pointing out where poison ivy is so they don't touch poison ivy, um, touch the dirt, touch um, the tree bark, hear birds, just using their senses and letting them do it on their own yeah. is so much more important than being like, okay, we're going to go outside and we're going to sit in this 12 inch square and you can dig in the soil here and see what you can find. Like they need to be able to, to climb on logs and just be kids basically. Explore. Yeah. Yeah. So like I told you, I pulled some pretty cool statistics here. Cheryl's going to love the theme of this one. It's called Trees for Mental Health. Mm. Hence why, probably why Cheryl loves trees so much. Probably. Is um, a <laughs> horticulturalist um, named Sheila Taft actually did some research into finding that as little as four minutes of garden or like, we're not just talking about walking out your back door, but like walking through a, a, a row of trees or a little wood lot increases your or reduces your stress, improves your mood and steadies your vital signs almost instantly, which I was like, this is why I'm as calm as I am. I, I probably picked the best job for myself mm -hmm. because of I am very like I get worked up pretty easily with unnecessary mm -hmm. things. And then when I feel that coming on, I'm just like tree. Yeah. <laughs> the definition of a tree hugger. <laughs> so all of those things, like things that we don't even think about, like, like it is a, it's a calming tool for me, like to be outside, to look at a bird, to, to, you know, watch moths, to do things like mm -hmm. that. It's just like, it's like a happy place for me and it yeah. makes yeah. it easier. And I know not everybody is as fortunate enough as I am to do that as a job to keep yourself calm. So Thanks, well, guys. that's what I always tell people about like working at a park district is we are so lucky that, you know, if you're having a hard day or like you're really frustrated with IT stuff, like I usually mm -hmm. am lately, <laughs> is you can just go outside for five minutes and then you're, you're like reset, you're good to go. Yeah. And I mean, even in like corporate world, I feel like that is super important is if you can just take five minutes and just walk down the stairs and go outside and get some sun and wind on your face. I mean, it doesn't, being in the woods is obviously better, but just being outside, yeah. it gives you that quick reset. Yeah. But do you guys think if you had a negative, I mean, I'm trying, I, I really tried to recall the first times in my life that I had like meaningful experiences in nature and all of them were positive that I could think back to. I could only think of like two situations that were negative mm -hmm. and both of them related to bears. So <laughs> honestly, like every other nature experience I've had has been positive for yeah. me. So. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was something that happened. I do remember going on a vacation with our family and we were supposed to like hike to these waterfalls or something. And it was supposed to be just like a quick hike and we didn't take any water or anything. Oh, no. And it ended up being like a five mile hike. <laughs> and I just remember five miles one way over. I think so. Oh. I can't remember. Cause I was little, I was really little. And I just remember crossing over these like little mountain streams and just wanting to like, <laughs> dive in <laughs> and just being so mad that I was like yeah yeah you know weird so, things like that so I remember one experience nature-wise that started out positive but ended bad and it just came to me so I grew up in West Virginia eastern panhandle and we had rattlesnakes everywhere um, we had a lot of exposed shale and exposed limestone so 
in a very rocky mountainous area. So it made it like a perfect habitat for um, the timber rattlesnake. And we had this old shed. It was white and gross. We never put anything in it. We never really used it. I remember it getting torn down years later. But there were, like, I thought they were, I was only like six. I thought they were like baby worms. So I picked one up and put it in a coffee pot and took it inside. And I thought my mom was going to like literally have a heart attack. Cause like, you know, when people do that hand thing where they're like, they don't know what to do with their hands. She's like, did you get bit? I'm like, it's a worm. And she's like, no, it's not Terry, which is my dad. And he comes in he's like, where did you get that? And we went outside where I got it. And like, there was like a whole bunch of them, like 15 or 20 rattlesnakes in there. So I just picked it up like casually and dropped it in the thing. Not, not knowing. I didn't (laughs) know. I didn't know it was a rattlesnake. I didn't (laughs) know anything about it like nobody had said anything about venomous snakes to me so yeah and that was yeah it turned bad but yeah so yeah but it was it was a little bit like oh you have to be more cautious now not not everything wants to be your friend yeah michael (laughs) so that was scary and then my first encounter with a bear was not great either but it was a surprise so it's always a surprise (laughs) so green also prevents mean I love the way that one was. Green oh. prevents mean. That could be a bumper sticker. So there was a University of Illinois Urbana Champaign. I don't know why it's got all the, it's like a small sister school of University of Illinois. Level of aggression were significantly lower among people who had some kind of natural setting outside their apartment or home versus those who did not. Huh. And they believe that living under stressful conditions such as crowding, high temperature, and noise suffer from what they call chronic mental fatigue. So people who experience all those things have chronic mental fatigue, which I can remember this very distinctly from when I was in college, my first dorm room had no heat, I mean, no air conditioning, and it was all football players. It stunk, it was hot, it was disgusting, and there was like an argument or fight like every day because increased aggression obviously between sports and everything else and then you have to come back to this hot room that's been baking in the sun all day you stink your friends stink your roommates stink everybody stinks like i mean it just makes sense why does heat make us so angry i think because you're uncomfortable yeah i mean don't wait do you get angry when you're cold no because i think your body is trying to heat itself up by shivering (laughs) so you can't get angry like when i get overly hot like like, you don't want to be touched. Like, uh-uh. like, even when your kids try to, like, climb on you and you're sweaty and gross, like, get off of me. Like, what are you yeah. doing? It's 97 degrees in here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was interesting yeah. um, that, you know, just just simple, like, the space, like, what you see. like. Well, I mean, in a way that makes sense because if you think about animals and, like, their four basic needs is food, water, shelter, and space. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're kind of the same way as you You do need your space and you uh-huh. don't always get it. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, yeah. And when you can't get it, then you're going to fight for it. So Then you feel of- trapped and you feel like a cornered cat or something. Yeah. You fight your way out. You really do. <laughs> so, um, a, there was a cross-research study done. Um, by a J.A. Palmer that found that the single most important factor in developing personal concern for the environment was a positive experience in the outdoor environment. So those people who might not care about the environment or might just kind of overlook it or think that, oh, that's not important, it doesn't affect me, are most likely, most often, people who do not have positive experiences in nature. So something that went wrong or was terrifying and they even went as far as to say like natural disasters and things like that like hurricanes mm-hmm. and things like that are all factors in this which i didn't even like in my brain i'm thinking oh you go outside and you trip on a rock you break your arm that's a negative experience yeah no yeah, like fine. that's a negative experience but the things that are more traumatizing are earthquakes yeah um hurricanes because they're not just affecting you know Mike, who broke his arm, it's affecting entire communities. It's affecting um, your socioeconomic status. It's affecting all that stuff, yeah. which we don't often think, like, I don't think about that. Like, I didn't think that was a positive or a negative experience in nature. I thought, you know, 
I mean, I've also never experienced anything like that. So I can't, you know, say that, Hey, that, that would affect me or not affect me. So, Mm -hmm. so, hmm. um, appropriate interactions with nature also help with developing powers of observation and creativity, which we all know, we see that all the time with kids, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of camp and, um, wild things and park pals when, when you guys did those Uh or do those, you see kids kind of developing or like a little light switch going off in their brain when they figure something out on their own. It's like one of my favorite things is to see when a kid like really gets it or figures something out in nature on their own or gets to experience something like, like we had mentioned in that, in the moth episode about the kids seeing that owl that close, which is like an experience you like, you don't mm-hmm. get, like, you just don't get that a lot, which was fascinating. And I think, at least I hope those kids, my daughter still talks about it. And she was like two and a half when Aww. it happened. So yeah, so yeah she yeah. also never forgets anything. So yeah, speaking of wild things, I remember one program I did. We were in Edison Woods looking for skunk cabbage. Mm-hmm. And it was quite the hike to get to where the skunk cabbage is. So I was like, well, I kind of want to have something for them to do. Because you know how kids are with long mm-hmm. hikes. They're like, oh, are we there yet? I'm tired. You know, so I gave them all, like, we have these little digital cameras. So on the way the, on the way up there, I had the kid, I gave the kids each a camera. And I said, if you see something really cool, just take a picture of it. And I tell you what, they, they had so much fun. They, like, went up to trees. They found... Um, a squirrel's like cache where they found like broken acorns and cool. yeah, like they found little details that you know most of us would have missed that even us as naturalists will yeah. overlook. Like yeah, mm-hmm. so they they had the greatest time, and then we you know we saw the skunk cabbage and they all took pictures of that, and then they wanted to still take pictures on the way back. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and that's like the, those are the things that like we look forward to as naturalists and as environmental educators. Like that's what, that's what we want to do. We want to like encourage kids and not just kids. We want to encourage everyone, you know, to have some type of appreciation. And the mom said later they passed us in woods and she said her kids wanted to go find the skunk cabbage again. Like after that, I was like, Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) So making a difference. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. So Cornell University did a 2006 study and a 2011 study. The first study was in 2006 said that the best way um, to get your children to care about nature was to let them experience it before the age of eight. And then they redid it and actually decided that it was 11. So there's that gap in there that there's like time to make up for it, I guess is what they're saying. So if you can get it, you know, you know, an appreciation for it or even just a respect for it before 11, then they'll most likely grow up to have an appreciation for it for their entire life. Mm-hmm. So, and now that I think about it in, in my life, it, it easily happened before I was 11. What about for you guys? From the like, time I was from, a, from the second I, yeah, from the like, second I remember the first thought in my brain. Was, <laughs> <laughs> so. My family was always like, well, our vacations, especially like we would camp for like three weeks and travel across the country and go to like national parks and stuff like that. So I kind of grew up hiking and being outdoors. I feel like I do it a lot more than we did when we were little. So, I mean, that's probably why my kids are. Camping (laughs) was one of those things that is directly correlated to um, people's love for nature and caring. Um, Did you guys always, did you tent camp or was it always RV camping? We started tent camping. I want to say I was probably young, like four, maybe five when we got the camper. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, we grew up tent camping at first. Mm -hmm. So we, we did tent camping, but my parents had like one of these big old Dodge vans and like, so then it turned into just the kids camping and then my parents slept in the van. Ah. And then, so like we had to set up our tents and everything and everything, but like, that was like a, it was, we did that like every weekend, like every single weekend. That's cool. And my parents would get together with like some of their friends and they had kids our age too. So like we would all just hang out Yeah. and it was just easy and like something to do over the weekend. Like, and they didn't really have to like 
they just cut us loose on the campground and was like, good luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, bye. I don't want to see you till Sunday afternoon. Playground's yeah. over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. My grandparents took us camping all the time as kids. They had a big old camper and um, had the best time. They let us all, you know, let loose and everything like that. Uh, but when we went camping with my parents, we would do tent camping. So we would pitch like a big old tent and then like a smaller tent. But um, there's this one, <laughs> this one camping trip, my sisters brought a couple friends. And so my sisters had their own tent. And so my sister and her friend were in one tent. And my sister and her other friend <laughs> planted potatoes underneath their tent. <laughs> so raccoons came in. <laughs> And dug at the potatoes. Ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my camping trip. I remember I was safely sleeping in your, the other one. Your sister did not have a positive experience in That nature. was a very negative experience. But it was her fault. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. You yeah. didn't think they were going to grow, like, right there? Like, no, they, they intentionally planted potatoes for animals to come get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. A little, oh. little, little wild, little Steve Irwin's before. I, I guess so. They were oh, playing that, pranks on each other all the time. That's hilarious. And I was the bystander just watching everything. It's like, oh, this isn't going to be good. So you can do that when you're the younger child. You can just throw your hands up and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what, what I did. Me like, too. I was just like, one? or I would just point right at my older brother and be like, you did it. It's like, I don't want anything to do with this. He forced me to be here. <laughs> he told me it was going to kill me. So, but yeah, that's that's cool though. I so like both camper and tent. They're two like different experiences, I, but I love it. I've done camper a few times. Um, my with my dad, and my brother. They're they're big boys. I'm a big boy. Um, it got a little crowded in the in the camper, mm -hmm. so we you know tent camping. My wife had never been any type of camping before she met me. I took her tent camping for the first time when we were like in college. She's like, she woke me up every probably 30 minutes what was that what was that what was that <laughs> and like the first time we camped she wanted to be somewhere safe and comfortable not just like out on a trail somewhere yeah. walking or whatever so we went to an old golf course that was reclaimed as a like tent campground so she could be like mildly close to civilization yeah yeah i got no sleep zero whatsoever <laughs> so so yeah but so Camping has a direct correlation to naturalist lives, clearly. Yeah. So, um, so this is definitely this kind of goes with that cognition thing that we talked about earlier. Um, the development of imagination and sense of wonder. So I've even watched, you know, kids in you know when I've tagged along with Melissa for Park Pals or covered for Park Pals. Like, what do you call it? What's the like the secret passageway? Oh yeah, the super secret passageway. I always lose a kid <laughs> when I'm by myself. I always lose a kid in there, and I, when I go back in to get one, they're like looking at something that they found that they're curious about. Aww. So whether it's a spider web or, um, you know, uh, nuts left behind, nutshells from you know some type of squirrel that left it behind. So they're always one that like would stay back and be like, "Oh, I found something," and then we just show it to the rest of the group. So that's little... the key for littles: is you name something really cool. And you make it a place that only they can go. And they think it's the best thing That's in the so entire cute. world. Let so me make cute. this clear. Going through there as an adult is not easy. No. I, I tried. I, I can't even too. believe you tried. I'm like, I can't fit in there. Good luck, guys. <laughs> well, because you know how we carry the blue backpacks? Mm -hmm. My backpack got caught. <laughs> and like <laughs> basically hung me like this. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I went first, too. So like all the kids just crashed into me. So. Because they're looking that down, looking at everything. So <laughs> funny. Never again. <laughs> Other rule of teaching littles: don't go where they go. <laughs> <laughs> Do not. Do not. Show so. them. Let them experience. <laughs> um, so we had mentioned the brings the free play is is also major, majorly important. Um, you know, they have enough structure in their lives. Kids, you know, even my kids, like who've been at home with their mom since Willow was almost two. Uh -huh. And like, they still have a lot of structure throughout their day. They have a specific time that they eat. We have a bath time. Like for kids that little, that's enough structure already. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't even have that much structure in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can always tell when my kids are like, they structure overload. either too much time inside or they just start like turning into wild hyenas and you're just like, just go outside. Go yeah, outside they need for to 10 like, minutes. yeah, you just need to let them go. Willow usually, my older daughter will usually tell me that she, she's, she's bored and I need to go outside. Yeah. You know? A big thing that they're correlating to it is, um, you know, space is a problem. Um, so there is a large number of people who, who don't have the option for, for space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I think it's 35% of Americans don't have enough space to go out in, you know, be in nature and enjoy nature. Um, mm-hmm. and when I think of that, I think of, of large cities and places like that. So then it, kind of sparked the idea in my brain why do we keep moving to large cities what do you what do you guys think that that reason is is that we ease of access to things Mm -hmm. that's one that's maybe where the jobs are at yeah for example depending on your field and things like that that might be an easier way for people to find jobs and i think easy access is the big thing like you have everything you need right there right you don't have to go anywhere to do it um and that that nearby nature, it reduces the stress in a child. Um, there's a study from 2003. Obviously, most of these are from Cornell. Uh, and this woman named Nancy Wells, she tried to focus on rural children and their views on nature and kind of how they react in comparison to urban. Mm-hmm. And obviously these urban kids were having almost little to no experiences whatsoever. And the rural kids like that's normal. And Mm -hmm. I always, when I always, and I think about this back into my brain, um, I always learned that rural kids, and this is almost like a stereotype, but rural kids always had a better knowledge of nature. In most of my experiences, they knew what it, what that plant was, what that tree was. Mm -hmm. They might've had a different name for it than, what we use as naturalists, but they know what to, what's good, what's bad, what to avoid. And then other kids, you know, urban that, that grew up urban and spend most of their time in cities and things like that never, ever really had been experienced with the exception of maybe like a small park and things like that. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, um, you know, influence and you don't always think about, you know, your proximity to something, and then you're like, oh, well, you can just drive down there. Not everybody has a car. Somebody has to catch a bus. Uh-huh. Somebody has to right. catch a train to go there. And you're like, when you think about New York City, the first place you think of is Central Park. You're like, oh, that's a green space. Which, did you guys see? First time since 1890, a snowy owl showed up in Central Park. Really? really? Yep. That's wild. That is cool. So, and I called my buddy to tell him, because him and his girlfriend live in Boston, and her parents live in um, New York and they went down to see it. And they're like, oh, thank you. I was like, well, it's all over the news, so you should have seen it. <laughs> of course, my buddy's like, of course you saw it first. I was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, That's so funny. Not that I would ever I dr- think drive to New York and see a snowy owl. <laughs> a lot of like urban versus rural. rural. Why is that word so hard? Um, <laughs> is expectations are different because lifestyle is different. Yeah. So Absolutely. this is one thing I've really noticed with our kids is that like we don't have a true farm. Like we just have a very small hobby farm type of thing, mainly for our, our family. So I can only imagine what people with real farms have is they have to do things on their own. They, they yeah. have to learn how to entertain themselves because, you know, we're cleaning stalls or feeding animals or caring for something and they can be right in there with us and all of that, but we are not always 100% available to entertain them so they have to look out for each other they they know the rules of where's dangerous and where's not dangerous and like the things that they can do on their own versus what they need mom and dad's help with and I don't think kids necessarily in cities get that mainly because you don't have that space if I lived in a city I would never let my kids just run outside like I do now oh absolutely absolutely and that was the that was the next thing whenever you're done that we'll talk about and you know, that culture of fear type Uh deal. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely very different and not that it's a bad thing. Just, I think it's different how kids in the country that live on farms specifically are, are expected to act versus if you live 
in a city. Yeah. Well, and you can't, you can't hold them both to the same standard because life right. and the way they right. grow up is completely different. Completely you can't, different. Yeah. Like I said earlier, expectations and we like have. Said, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Just expectations are different. It's not that either lifestyle is better or worse or whatever, but it's just, it, it's two very different lifestyles. Well, and it's not like a kid can control or choose where they live and what lifestyle they're going to be you know, brought up in. It's not really up to them. Mm -hmm. um, and Melissa had mentioned that, that fear thing. So like Melissa is able to just let her kids cut loose in the yard and she doesn't really, you know, get afraid her and her husband don't get afraid that, you know, somebody's going to swoop in, take their kid or, you know, there's something potentially dangerous. Like they know, like she said, they know the boundaries, they know what's there, they know what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. For some kids, that's not an option. Like that's to go outside yeah. on your own is just not, not an option. Uh -huh. Like I live in an area where I'm not around a bunch of people, but people can easily get into that area. So I, I don't let my kids outside by themselves because, yeah. you know, somebody could, you don't, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, a, it, I think it started probably back what in the eighties when, you know, child abductions and things like that started to pick up more because more people had access to cars and things like that. And that, that scares people, even as a, I, I'm pretty sure all three of us sitting here as parents are like, I get it. Yeah. I'm not going to mm -hmm. sit there and say their, their concerns are not justified, which anybody who has kids, you, I'm terrified of everything. I just have to like bite my lip and just go. I mean, we live where there's nobody. And I still like, if my kids go outside by themselves, it's usually because I'm like, getting my boots on or finishing dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's for you know, five minutes at a time when I'm not out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and we have nobody around us. Like, but sometimes they can even like, have you ever had them out there with you? And like, you're working in the garden or you're just like cutting the grass or doing something outside. And then they just circle around the other side of the house and you instantly go into a panic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you just freak out. And like, which I understand, like I said, from every aspect, like that's, it's terrifying not knowing where they went or what they're doing or, but eventually I have to cut that umbilical cord off and just move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so. Not just yet though. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing is, is, you know, even if, you know, there's people, uh, the majority of um, our populations are working class families, they can't supervise their kids after school. So they're, they're already doing some type of extracurricular activity, whether it's organized sports, organized band, whatever, art club, anything like that. They're doing those things indoors, some cases outdoors, but that's still a structured activity. And yeah. they're either they're still working or they're on their way to pick them up from work. So it's like mm -hmm. a whole other thing that, you know, maybe we need to go back to the root of this problem and say, Parents need off more so their kids can get more outside time. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, man. We got your back, everybody. We'll help you out here. <laughs> but it's true because, like, even though, I mean, we all, like, enjoy being outside and we want to go do and explore and all of that sort of stuff, but we work a 40-hour week. Uh -huh. And it's hard for us to, I mean, especially, I'll talk for me. Maybe you guys don't feel this way. But it's hard to, like, plan a trip to go to a different park. Like, yeah. I'm so thankful that we have air, land in our backyard that we can just go outside and play because thinking about loading them up and like dinner time and bath time and how do you fit this in plus the hour drive to wherever you're going, yes. like, it's just, well, and I it's think hard. It is. Here's the other thing is like littles in terms of tiny ones, like two yeah. and under, they are ticking little time bombs. If you mess up their schedule, even just a little bit. Your whole your whole week is just, could be potentially ruined if mm -hmm. you get off that bedtime too soon or you get off that bath time too soon or you know that you're looking at that too and that's a whole thing and then car rides now I don't think my kids can make it more than 20 minutes without screaming at me <laughs> well and yeah, yeah and part of it now is you know as I said there will we'll probably see more research in the next five to ten years that shows that it's only gotten worse and the pandemic probably is a major cause of that. Mm -hmm. When right. I took my daughters to see that northern weeder in Upper Sandusky, oh my goodness. Was it bad? Oh, we were good for the first 30 minutes. Rowan slept the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and then. Oh, that's good. 
And then she woke up <laughs> and just screamed the rest of the way. And you have to have snacks. Oh, we had snacks. snacks. We had the like iPad thing hung on the thing so she could like watch a little TV show or something. Then we get down there and I forgot my jacket. And it was like 10 degrees. (laughs) I forgot my jacket. So my wife's like, "Uh, you, you, you can't get back in the car. We can't. We cannot unload them, look at a bird for two minutes, and then you get back in the car. She's like, we have to just walk around for, like, at least 30 minutes. I was like, all right, let's go. So I walked around without a jacket for, like, 30 minutes oh, <laughs> so that they didn't. But it wasn't – We're lu- if the sun wasn't out, I would have never made it. Yeah. But yeah. I was lucky and fortunate enough that the sun was out. I had gloves and a hat, just no jacket. So oh. insulation built in. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think some of that comes back to like a screen timer or whatever. Cause like we have a rule that you can't watch a movie. We actually don't watch TV in the car ever, except for when we drove to Florida. And I think that was a huge mistake because now they ask all the, the time. Florida drive was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but Carter can go to um, like Cleveland Metro parks when we do fish deliveries and like, we don't have a tablet. We don't have, a TV in the car and very rarely does he remember to take the toys he picked out for himself <laughs> and they just sit in the car and look out the window. Like I don't, sometimes I think it's just about like simplifying it. And like I said, snacks, snacks are helpful. Snacks are helpful. Snacks. I think Good when snacks. we're able to turn our youngest daughter around in the car seat, that will change the whole world. For yeah. Her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Then we won't have to worry about cause like, the only person she can see is her sister. So <laughs> she's like, this is getting old. <laughs> see you all day. There you are again. <laughs> so um, there are a lot of health issues that are associated with, um, you know, the lack of being outside too. Um, spending two to three hours outdoors can lower a child's risk of developing nearsightedness, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. So I thought that was just something you had. Genetic, almost. Yeah. But obviously, if you're staring at a screen or inside more and you're not having to use that looking further, then... Uh-huh. But That's true. So, yeah. Which always confused me why they called it nearsightedness, but that you that means you couldn't see far away. Like, why, did you, why you would you can, switch? Because you can see near. You can see near, but oh. you can't see far. Well, hot yeah. dog, that's why you just ask people with glasses, and <laughs> you'll get the answer. You know. I'm nearsighted. <laughs> uh, I am both. Do you guys ever, like, put, you're both? Uh, so you're basically yeah. clinically blind. My eyes are, that, I mean, I'm my eyesight really is not that bad. Like, not at all. But I wear glasses because it, it, makes everything the same (laughs) (laughs) do you guys ever have like people put on your glasses and be like oh you really can't see yeah yeah that's what i did to my wife when i met her (laughs) (laughs) he goes oh these are terrible um so this is one of the other ones we had mentioned in our winter blues episode children need more sunlight and vitamin d than adults need which I was almost shocked about. This was a Harvard Medical School study that showed that children often need two to three more times the vitamin D that adults need. Wow. Is that because it helps with growth? It helps with uh, reducing the risk of bone problems, heart disease, diabetes, depression, and other growths. So one big thing, which is something Melissa, I think, says about her one one kid has growing pains. Um, Mm -hmm. He gets taller, bigger. And that's one of those things. Lack of vitamin D um, helps with pain and ailments on those okay, joints. He's and outside things. all the time. So how do I? <laughs> all right, now what do I do? <laughs> I need a doctor. <laughs> now he's the doctor. one that's outside way more than anybody else. Yeah. So which I thought that was you know because we had mentioned that before. Like we just need, it, but kids need more. So huh. you know, and you know, like you get sluggish when you've been inside. Like even I do. Like when I've been inside for too long or done too much sitting for too long you're just like well might as well just keep this big old butt right here uh-huh. right so which I, I imagine could happen to a, a kid as well um here, this one's a good one it's another tree one um areas with trees 
um, can help to prevent early childhood asthma. So obviously that's all correlated to pollen and different things like that too. So if you're obviously exposed to it more, you reduce your risk of developing those types of things too. So thought that was Mm -hmm. good. But so I think that goes along with like allergies too. Like the more that you're exposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. always wanted to like have a study. Well, it's like when you, like they say, if you eat local honey and things like that too, it's, it winds it up helps. being better for you. And I think, cause when I, I didn't get allergies until I moved here and then it, I realized like, oh, well, it's just like all new pollen for you. Like it's all new stuff that you're right. not used to. Yeah, so, that's true. which made sense. And now I'm, I've, you know, every once in a while it happens, but I've come first off, I thought I was dying. <laughs> and then I realized, okay, like you'll be fine. You'll, you'll live. So um, another thing is, is that it builds confidence in kids. Kids being outside builds their confidence, which I didn't yes. believe nor see until I had children. Yeah. Um, and here's why is because my daughter's like not afraid of anything, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. I, that's because their frontal lobe isn't developed. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're digging a little deeper, but my wife is terrified of spiders. So my daughter has turned it into this game where like there's a spider everywhere. Yeah. So mom, there's a spider over there. Willow, are you kidding? Or are you being serious? Like I need to know, like is what that conversation turns into. And then I'm over in the corner giggling and laughing. And then I get the <laughs> finger point. This is your fault. So Because I'm really, there aren't many things that I'm afraid of. I pick up a lot of things and insects and things like that. So. Yeah. Glad I could pass that on. Yeah. I made it very apparent that I didn't want my wife's fear to be instilled into my daughter. Yeah. So hopefully I've done a good job up to this point. Yeah. Well, well and it, yeah. I mean, it is hard, but my kids know that I don't like spiders touching me. So they pick them up and chase me with them. <laughs> like, they're okay. Oh, I'm they're so proud of you. They're over there, but I don't <laughs> want it to touch yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cheryl, you were going to say something. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, my daughter, she's. She's very cautious of everything. So from ages probably one to one about two and a half, she wanted nothing to do with like mud puddles or getting dirty or the snow, anything like that. You like never had to do laundry. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Or like she didn't like sand or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So... The past year, um, I was able to expose her more to that stuff because we were at home during the pandemic. So we, I took her everywhere with me. And so she got through those mud puddles just fine. And that boost, I just saw that confidence growing. And then we took her to the beach and that's so cool. Yeah. And she stepped in the sand and, um, and her confidence, but ah, oh, why am I getting emotional? Um, uh, because that's your baby, awesome. and you got to witness like something amazing. That yeah. So that, um, well, and she had struggled with it for so long. But going back to what we talked about in the beginning, those positive experiences, you were able yeah. to give them to her, and absolutely have the space and the time to actually do it right instead of like me just go through the freaking puddle <laughs> or push him in I know. <laughs> I know and then like especially and now when it snows she's like oh i want to go outside in the snow she's like i want to go you yeah. know so Good. you know just like exposing her to those elements like really boosted her confidence and everything like that well that's so. good well because yeah it, and in and, and, you know in her mind she's probably like there's nobody that i'm going to be more comfortable than doing these things with them, my mom and dad. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to pluck a heartstring for Cheryl Ooh, today. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that is so like, so cool. And that's all about what we do for a living. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, it's all just exposure and making that positive connection and getting them to, to have fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you're doing a good job, Cheryl. So, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, not that you need my approval at all, but <laughs> so, All right, so we always end with the news article. That was a good way to end. Good job. job, Um, So I don't know if you guys heard about this, but this has been popping up in news feeds for me lately. Um, 
So there's a rock collector that found a rare gemstone that looks like the Cookie Monster. Have you guys seen that yet? <gasps> I no. saw that. Dude, it looks just like <laughs> it. It, it is sick. Like it. Look at this bad boy. It does look like the cookie. It's monster. the cookie monster. I mean, with like the eyes and the mouth and the everything. everything. Ironically, yeah. that's what we call my youngest daughter is the cookie monster because that's her favorite word, cookie, and she says it just <laughs> like him, <laughs> cookie. So, <laughs> um, but so this guy, he was a gemnologist, and he had acquired this type of rock called agates. So they form from quartz. And there's silicone dioxide that kind of bubbles up through it when it's first starting to form. And it creates these cavities, which created the two eye cavities and the mouth one. And they're like worth a crap ton of money. So he's got two of them that are identical. And so, I mean, it's a cookie monster. That's amazing. He should just donate it or get paid for it for a museum. So, so. I think that's cool that he found those, but (laughs) so not a very long one because we did take up lots of time. But if you get a chance, look up this cookie monster thing, and I imagine (laughs) it's going to be a meme at some point. Oh, for sure, (laughs) Mike, you should start that. You should start the meme. Rocky (laughs) 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 instead of cookie. Oh, that's That's so funny. I should have been a comedian. All right, everybody. So I hope everybody had a good time. Thank you guys for your input. And thank you guys so much for working with me. I like you guys. You guys are cool. We like you too. We like you. (laughs) Putting up with me really (laughs) is what it is. (laughs) It takes a special person to put up with Mike. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.